Two movies enter, one movie leaves. This is The Great Movie Showdown. Today, a movie about a town full of snow and ice with an economy that doesn't quite exist and trade <laughs> agreements that are also very confusing. And also there's a snow wizard warlock lady. It's frozen. Versus a movie about bugs, an ant colony on a small island, an ant island, a lonesome adventurer ant on a quest to save his colony from a ferocious gang of grasshoppers. A xenomarxist commentary on ants and the grasshoppers that oppress them. <laughs> I love it. They prefer right, the term one. colonize. Yeah, man. Gosh. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, it's right. Pixar's statement on slavery and the history of the U.S., clearly. And I mean, what would happen if the uh, oppressed people of this country would rise up and kill I think their it's masters? More about more about Africa. kill your masters matt kill your masters like run the jewels says okay i'm wearing a run the jewels shirt right now with me today are matt smith <laughs> and will good now i'm your host zach twitty and this is the let great movie whoa come on can we have a discussion about let it go well yeah that's we're here in this episode to talk yeah, about just dive let right it go like when i first heard let it go i heard the demi lovato version and it oh. sounded it sounded a lot better than what was in the Frozen movie. No way! How dare you? No way, dude! Adina Menzel no. stole it. She no. kills it every time. I no, don't Adina like Menzel. I don't like the structure of that song, and I I really don't I don't think I care for her voice. What? Okay, see, Matt, there's something intrinsically wrong with you. Um, and <laughs> I mean, like ridiculously wrong with you. I know that you like Demi Lovato over Dina Menzel, which by the way, let's just go ahead. Let's back. I like, I like the structure of that song a lot better. I know you keep talking about the song structure, but it's a real problem for me because the structure of the actual songs in the movie is a lot better than the damn pop. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. Don't Hmm. listen to the one. Hold on. Don't listen to the one. Don't listen to the one that's post credits. Cause it's not that. Listen to the album track and it's actually really good. And it has a really nice bridge. I understand. It's a nice bridge. I get it. But see, like, do you know anything about musical storytelling? Yes, I do. It's not like I'm doing a podcast on these Disney movies and like half of them have, music in it and like a oh. musical format uh, it's let it go. Uh, god we we sound like a part in or like a part of the interruption where we're exactly like, we do. this is what we're gonna yeah. get angry about this is what we're gonna yell at each other about because you just spoke blasphemy dude look listen as much as i can't stand <laughs> the song right now because i have an eight-year-old about to be nine-year-old girl who absolutely loved frozen what does her age have to do about the song you made me listen to it like a billion times, okay? The entire album from track one to like the very last one, dude. All right? I know all the songs that I never wanted to. I thought it was a good movie the first five times I saw it. After the next 12 times, it's just, it's been burned into my frontal lobe, into my cortex. And it's like, I can't not, you know, just, I know every frame, every second of this movie. I know exa- I know the stupid um Icelandic chant they do in the beginning that gets everybody I like hyped. that. Yeah, I, yeah mean, I like that too. I, I liked everything about it until, like I said, 20 viewings later. I mean, it's just, I, it's, I'm numb to it. I have no feeling. That's why like, I, I didn't even. 
I, uh, I just don't like let it go like the style of it. it like every time i hear it i try to give it a chance and i'm uh, that's just because you don't you don't understand the nuance at all like i said adina menzel is a very seasoned broadway singer she is famous mainly for i want to say wicked um when she played um alfaba who was the wicked witch of the west if you guys don't know like it's the gregory mcguire's book or whatever point is like name yeah, well, he gave her a name in, in the book, which turned into the show. And, like, she really, really made a huge splash for that. Not saying she didn't have a long-storied career before that, but, like, where she really got, like, on the main world stage as, like, okay, this this chick is for real, um, was in that first um, showing. And, like, when you hear her voice, Adina Menzel to me is, like, it's, like, equivalent to Celine Dion. She's so distinctive with her oh. notes and how she sings. Oh, my God. <sighs> Matt? I don't think she's that good. That's because something's wrong with you. <laughs> oh my god! Like, like, there's something wrong with you if you think Adina Menzel isn't that good. Like you Hold need on. to get your so, ears checked. I I totally respect that. Like the popular opinion is whatever Adina Menzel or however you pronounce her name. Adele Dazim, as uh, John Travolta said, Adele Dazim. <laughs> that does sound like something he would say. Um, I, I totally get that she's good. I just don't really like it that much. Like, it's, you know, like how people will say, yeah, like the Beatles. I totally understand. They're great for music. I just don't care for the Beatles. See, man, you know, it's funny because that's literally what I was about to use as an example is like, you're that guy who everyone goes, the Beatles like definitely changed pop music, right? Like we can all agree before the Beatles, there was a certain type of pop music. And then after them, there was this highly experimental things like that. Right. And Matt goes, yeah, but the, you know, like I just don't really like them. Oh, Matt, I love the Beatles. <laughs> uh, but you're just like guy who just comes in like, Hey, you know, you remember that revolutionary piece of art? Like, it's really great. And, you know, we can all agree that there are certain things like gravity. We all agree on like, hey, scientific. And I'm like, yeah, but I just don't like gravity that much. You know what I like? Space. Well, then go to space then, Matt. It's go. not that easy. I don't know. Figure it out. Get out of here with your crap, it took dude. Hundreds, I mean, thousands of years for us to get to the My opinion on gravity point. is I think they killed off George Clooney way too early. Spoilers. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. They did, didn't they? But no way he came back in the dream sequence, remember? That's, I honestly never seen the movie, but I've listened to enough podcasts that referenced it. Are you so. kidding me? Oh my god, Matt. All right, what let's continue weird... arguing the movies right now because Matt's infuriating me. Let's do this already. Okay, like, so we're already talking about Frozen. Yeah. Can we talk about... Do you want to start with Frozen? Let's well, start with Bugs Life. I yeah, was going to do Bugs Life, but... That's what I was thinking, too. All right, well, okay, then let's we jump can... to Bugs Life. I don't care. Yeah, maybe maybe like we're too heated on Frozen right now. Not Mainly Adina Menzel, we need a waiting period. Yeah, because yeah, because Matt's a little yeah. little in denial. He's he needs to get his eyeballs, his ears, his brain, everything checked. I loved you, Matt. Yeah. I loved you. We were lovers once. This was Pixar's second movie, A Bug's Life, and it kind it of came was. out around a contentious time. DreamWorks was like just starting out, and Ants came out the same year. So there was a weird, there were two movies about ants yep. in the span of a year that were pretty similar-ish, I guess. I mean. Did you guys ever see that documentary about um, 
basically like Pixar, how it got started and everything like that. And right around the time of A Bug's Life, John Lasseter was getting burned out from Toy Story and trying to get Pixar up and running, like hiring, things Mm -hmm. like that, doing that. And the production was stalling on A Bug's Life basically from like they couldn't get the storyboarding down. They couldn't get things going. Um, The animators were struggling with once again, uh, Matt, or I'm sorry, Zach, what we always talk about is like they're now having to get realistic like textures to operate within Mm -hmm. the lighting. Cause I mean, once again, Pixar does such a good job, you know, you can never like not underestimate how well they light things, how photorealistic they can make things look. And so they were really struggling to get it. Like, you know, they were not going to move forward if they couldn't get some form of at the time, what would would look photorealistic or at least close to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and Lasseter got called in and you know, he, he just, he did it, man. He came in last minute. And um, kind of steered the ship. I mean, say what you want about him. I know he got me too, but I mean, there's one thing that's undeniable is that his fingerprint, once again, for his style of comedy for that early run of Pixar movies. I mean, it's just on point again. However, I will say this, you guys, Pixar did not do the normal buddy comedy with this one. The structure is a lot different. You definitely have a flick. Flick is a lone adventurer, as you know, you eloquently put. Um, mm-hmm. and your little mess up before, I wonder if you'll put that in like a blooper for this episode. <laughs> no, that's going to be edited out. So now it's yeah, we don't, we don't do bloopers. It. Like bugs life does bloopers where that's what I was going to get to. Yeah. We're like princess, princess Fiona's laughing at Hopper's lines. And oh, so great. Princess Fiona. Princess. Uh, what is her name? Ada. 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 Whatever. Ends with an A. Yeah. yeah. Princess Ada. And then, um, <laughs> But uh, I just remember those bloopers at the end, but also um, the structure, the story structure is um, then they also broadened the cast. You had a wide variety of char- characters. Uh, Brad Garrett making an early appearance yeah. as the giant beetle and um, Dennis Leary <laughs> steering the entire, stealing the entire movie. Dennis Leary steals the movie as the um, ladybug, which is one of the greatest. Oh, that's right. That was him. He, he had one of the best character introductions ever. To this day, I was watching it with my kids when we were rewatching mm-hmm. it. Because obviously for this podcast, I wanted to get a little quick refresher. And I like the movie. Um, My kids were getting annoyed with me because I was quoting all of his lines. And my favorite is when (laughs) you first see him. He's like, come on, lady. How would you like a good time with a real bug? And he flies over. What'd you say? Fly boy. (laughs) Oh, so being a ladybug automatically makes me a girl. Does it? And it's like, oh, yikes. She's a guy. (laughs) So honestly, I thought the the ladybug uh, was a girl throughout the whole movie until (laughs) I rewatched it the other day. You honestly, to be fair, you could make the case that maybe he's trans, you know, and like he just, you know, whatever. I'm not sure that really applies in the insect world. I, well, well that's actually, there are some species of frogs that can change their gender in times of or change their sex in times of um of famine. Right. Oh, did you just watch Jurassic Park recently, Zach? <laughs> no, but there are a lot of species that can do that, too. I, I think there are um a number of insect species that can also do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think way they have can... like a gender identity culture, but who knows in this like Pixar. No, life. I mean, they just mate reproduce and eat well, you guys, well i mean you they also have like a city in like the pixar bugs life so yeah it, it's almost like a shark tail sort oh of my thing. god by the way when he makes it to the so-called bug city mm-hmm. the fact that it's like under like a trailer under park, yeah <laughs> and then like the best introduction once again dude the setup for it was amazing me and my my family we used to all like 
put this on once again, wear out the cassette tape before it was the DVD. And there's that scene we rewind over and over again is the, uh, the black light, the, no, wait, don't look at it. I can't oh. help it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's so great, man. Well, yeah. it's it's funny that you talked about, like, the VCR. I have a distinct memory of my dad picking up the, the VC, the cassette tape. And at the store, apparently they had, like, all the bugs yeah. pictured on it. And my dad picked the one with the main character flick, just like, oh, yeah, I guess. Like, it's the main character. I thought this is what you guys would like. But apparently, Which one did like, you want? I don't know. Probably, like, now, now that I'm thinking about it, I think I think probably Heimlich. one of the most unlikable characters. Really? What? No way. I think so. No. So he, He's annoying. I mean, he's kind of dubious, but. Matt, you're like. No, nobody wants anything to do with him the whole entire time. And he's misunderstood. Well, he's much. one of the best dialogue. Okay, first off, see, this is where you're wrong again. Already, I'm about to do this to you. I'm about to school uh, you, man. And I'm kind of in the middle. Here we go. Ready? When you first meet him, he has that awesome conversation with Dot, and I have never related to a character more. When you're talking to someone who just doesn't get you, and he's just trying to use, like, because you have to think, answer so literal, she doesn't even understand the concept of, like, use your imagination to believe this rock is a seed. She just keeps going, but it's a rock. When he goes, I know it's a rock. But if you'll just listen, like he's trying to teach her about so something. That may, so that rock. makes him likable? Yes, it does, Matt. Exactly. Because everyone can relate to that. If you can't, I'm sorry that you had such an easy life. Anyway. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry you didn't grow up being an ant, Matt. Exactly. Flick, oh, but... Flick, Flick matters, okay? He matters. He's well, great. we'll get into that in a little bit. This movie... Uh, going turning back to kind of what you said about structure a little bit ago. Um, this is a looking back on it now, it is kind of a a bit of a different take on the Pixar structure. This actually feels a lot more like a Western film, how it's structured, and even how the music kind of comes in at the beginning. It feels sort of this weird, like Western town. Well, is the vibes that I got, and they're all moving around and all the. All the stuff happening when they're pulling the It's similar to like the the same plot device as uh, three three amigos and Galaxy Quest and probably yeah. a bunch of other ones that are um, like that. No, like the small town pitches in to pay. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like a comedic version of like Seven Samurai or The Magnificent Seven, like you said, a western. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I can see that it is. It really is. Although obviously, yeah, and then know. he goes out to get help. He leaves the safety of his home to uh to find bigger bugs to fight this grasshopper gang yep. which the grasshoppers are pretty interesting i like that i one of one of my favorite things is when they're in the anthill and then they're they're priming their wings to fly off and they have this weird motorcycle yeah, sound like, sound like motor yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Just a great little sign design sound design thing it's that like I monty python really with the coconuts with. pretending to be on a horse yeah Oh yeah, <laughs> except this is a, a bit subtler. The whole the Monty Python horse thing was just because of how under budget that movie was. Well, it's a or, shame Monty Python didn't have Steve Jobs money back in this, like A Bug's Life. That's true. To have it be a 3D animated film about the bugs equivalent of King Arthur, <laughs> Flick would make a terrible King Arthur. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, he was just a regular ant. He was an inventor. He was like a scientist. I wouldn't vote for him to be the king of the Britons. 
<laughs> well, should we start at the at the beginning of this film and then kind of like break down some characters? Well, yeah. Um, well, um we got to talk about uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, who plays Princess Ada. Turn it. She's really good. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. amazing, dude. Like you could see that early. Like I know she blew up because of Veep nowadays, but I mean, even back then, she was because she was on Seinfeld, right? Yeah, what, who did she yeah. play in Seinfeld? I never watched Seinfeld, but I, I re- remember watching the movie and liking her voice a lot. And I clicked on Seinfeld her Wikipedia movie. and I saw that she was on Seinfeld. Was she like the main woman that's on yeah. that show? Yeah, she, yeah. Was? she was. One of the, yeah, she was one of the main characters. Like there's her, Jerry Seinfeld, and uh, Kramer. And um, Kramer and then, guy, what's like the, and, the, the, uh, the guy from uh, Dunstan Checks In. Yeah, I forget his name already. I know someone's going to kill us. George someone's going to kill. Yeah, Costanza. Thank you. Yeah. Someone's going to kill me for forgetting that. But yeah, yeah. like big they Dunstan checks in fan here. Yeah, that's such a good movie. Um, <laughs> that's underrated childhood classic for me, dude. But um, anyway, we're here to talk about a Bug's Life today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but her her character also gets a really great introduction because you see that I mean a, a character who's really antsy and always worried can kind of be one note. But she does play, I guess you could say, like the real good subtleties where she means well. She even wants to give Flick a chance in the beginning. She sympathizes a little, a little bit, but then she's got. No, she's, she's really, she's really like good, like a, yeah. a lot. Like I mean, she, I can. Yeah, mm-hmm. go go on, Zach. Uh, well, it's like I can understand where she's coming from. the uh, The stress of yeah. leading the colony put on you, and you're trying to like not look like a clown. Yep. And then um, have and this guy who's who's trying flick. to change everything up and <laughs> use this cool looking harvester thing, which is a great way to introduce the character. And I thought it was really cool. So and, did I, um, man. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is epic. Why isn't, why, why are they wow. not doing this? It's it obvious. Exists, it yes, so that's much what I was sense. saying. Yeah, I was sitting there yeah. watching it. The like, Industrial like, Revolution hasn't yeah. quite hit the amps yet. But it's it got so like awesome. a piece of uh, one of those weird, um, the weed seeds to like grind the uh grain stalks down yes which was so great like i said what a great introduction and then like of course um the great mm-hmm. um the leaf see the the whole stalk gets launched and that's like which just yeah. takes her out and i don't know why but maybe i'm just horrible but that shit never doesn't make me laugh every time i've seen it i can't tell you how many times like the second time she gets hit is the best because i guess the camera angle it's like it's a wide and you just see her whole body go flat yeah. and like they're all trying to help her up so it takes her out again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like so that's some like really great like comedy <laughs> oh man that was, I, that was i was cool. about to say slapstick comedy but then it made me think of the joke that they made in the joke in the movie with uh i I gotta remember that guy's Slim. name, David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, Slim. I I, I think Slim oh. is the best character by far. Dude, mm-hmm. he is pretty great. He's got some really great lines. I, my He's very thespian. Yeah, and then like my favorite is he goes his introduction once again. I don't. I can't do this. Like, why not? He's like, you always cast me as the prop, the stick, the broom pole. And he goes, that's because you're a clown, and it's funny. Now get out there. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then his next line is, oh, look, I'm a beautiful flower. On a, what does he say? The sunny day. I just remember his next line is, and I have nothing interesting to say. And I'm like, I love it. I love it, dude. And it's I would say what Slim, Heimlich, and Francis almost yeah. like stole the show. Dude, oh, they, the all, yeah. all the, 
all the circus bugs were probably Bonnie like, Hunt like as the Black Widow spider. Bonnie Hunt. Oh she's yeah. Great. Oh my god, I love her so much. I love her as a Black Widow spider, dude. She's so, so great because um, she sounds like a mom. She sounds like the mom who's always just kind of like a little mildly concerned for everything. She's just like, um, okay, well, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe we could just like not do that. Or like her line delivery is so great. I do. I appreciate it so much. Like, That's um, what well, I lost my 12th husband. Yes. Oh my God. But uh, no, I was going to say, um, Francis, the, um, Oh no 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 not him the um the German Oh Heimlich <laughs> Heimlich is is oh. literally <laughs> like I don't get what anybody says <laughs> once again that whole opening in the circus <laughs> when he's fucking looking at the flies he's playing the, the he's like I'm a little bumblebee oh candy corn <laughs> oh here let me let me help you to finish it and then the best part is the fly like slams himself into it right covers it but the next shot when he's telling Francis not to fight the other flies, he's got the fucking candy corn and he's eating it, which means he fucking muscled that and is just eating it anyway. It's so great. I love that little well, bit. At that point, the circus was on fire, wasn't it? No, not yet. Not yet. Something this is, crazy. No, they were all flying around. And then literally that's the next part is as they're all starting to leave, he's like, flaming death, which the uh, ever immortal sound of Pixar to me is that actor. What is his name, you guys? He's in all. Of oh, them it's uh, hold on, uh, John Ratzenberger. Yeah, John Ratzenberger yeah. is the voice of Pixar. Like when you watch Pixar movie, you're waiting to hear his voice somewhere. And well, you he- know why that is, right? <laughs> Isn't he like a good luck charm for them now? Is that pretty much why? Well, so it, it was uh, during Toy Story when they when they were doing the marketing stuff and doing all those like promotional events the animation team liked hanging out with him so much that they wanted to put him in every movie because he was just that that fun to hang out with which is really heartwarming so it's like he's he's basically got a steady stream of pixar movies forever as doing at least like bit characters in them i think this was his best his best character was in this movie though i mean as the flea he's so great it's... He makes that flea unlikable. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's like unlikable as a person. I would never want to be around him. But God, he's fun to watch. And he's so yeah, he's fun. a good character. It's oh. just every time the flea's around, like you don't want the flea to be around. <laughs> it's usually ruining something. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's very true. Um, but this uh, this movie does have have an interesting. Um, sort of an interesting moral and interesting lesson. And with, with Hopper, I think Hopper is a really interesting villain. And I kind of, I kind of want us to talk about sort of the structure of the ant colony and then the events that, that lead to the change and sort of, sort of break down the narrative beats a little bit. I don't want to like go scene by scene, but just sort of talk about how characters are introduced in interesting ways and the concepts of this world where, um, we talked about exposition and stuff in Monsters Inc. and how this kind of drops what you need in there. This I think is a little bit more straightforward than Monsters Inc. But you have you have this colony of ants. They're dropping their grain, and a, the leaf falls down, and the ants panic because when oh. he's he goes, "Oh no, I'm lost! I'm lost! Oh, I, know. I don't know what's going on." Do actually, just, do ants a, actually li- act like that? Well, um, think about it. So ants are a lot smaller. So a leaf 
being a lot bigger than that. That's like having a 20 foot building just fall in front of you. Correct. And more importantly, if they essence. go by uh scent trails, like it's something in like whatever yeah. it is, it's in their pheromones, something like that, where the, the line is established via the, the scent trail or whatever. So if you do break that significantly, perfect example is like Zach said, you slam a building or a giant ass leaf in front of it. You're going to cause a little bit of a problem. Do I think it would be like that? No. I mean, they would probably go a little bit crazy, but then they'd find each other and be fine. But I'm that's what the sure movie does. Really well. They do. Mr. Stoyle like, leads them because they trained for this. Yeah. That's that's what I love. Zach, go ahead. Finish because I know you're going to get to the rest of the scene, which is the guy walking up. And yeah, like, Mr. Stoyle, okay, which is a fun character. Oh, he's, he's kind so of an great. understated character, but he's one of the one of the bean counter ants. Or I guess he's he's sort of like the thespian ant. Yeah, yeah, and he comes out and guides them back calmly and collectively, and then you see the uh, you see the gap in the ants, the, the royal the ants. Remember, yeah, Princess Ada freaks one out, and I love the queen ant. The queen ants just like whatever, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Phyllis Diller know, as the that, queen. That actress, man, she was always so chill. Like she was like pre yeah. Betty White, because now Betty White has that status. But I feel like mm-hmm. her in my mind the way I saw her character was like that. How we perceive Betty White to be is how I thought of that queen ant in this movie. As like the, the old lady with the tiny dog. Oh, so great. That's just always there. A little aphid. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how she was in real life as well. Having a aphid. No, <laughs> no <laughs> but there, there was uh let me go see if I can find it. You guys could talk going beat for beat once we get to that we get to flick's introduction he's got the mechanization we already went over that and then obviously he um <laughs> we knew this was coming this is why i'm sure matt also doesn't like him very much is he very haphazardly kind of drops it and then it falls off the the offering plate that you would call it or whatever yeah he is very mr magoo but yeah and from then a that whole- technical standpoint why would you have it have this platform thing set up in a way where the tiny keystone pops out and all of the food falls off. Correct. Absolutely. Why wouldn't they just have that stone be on a flat and level surface? Um, because then we wouldn't get that physical gag and we wouldn't have our inciting incidents. Yeah. And have that big blade of grass as the on and off ramp. Exactly. We need that. We need to make sure that that's there. We need to have something dramatic happen to set everything up. Um, just, and then we need to have the dramatic introduction of a hopper, which is... Probably one of my favorite introductions because this movie has a lot of really good introductions to characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like Pixar did it really well. They nailed it every time in this movie. But Hopper and his brother, the actor who plays his brother, I forget. I know his face. Richard Kind. Oh, my God. I just have the list up. Like Richard Kind, his his performance like he almost steals the scene from Kevin Spacey because he's, he's so perfect. He's like, yeah. Oh, you remember how about, and then like, uh, you know, oh, you should have seen him with the bird. And he was flapping around the bird's mouth. Okay. <laughs> and then, oh, Kevin, yeah. And then he slams his brother against the wall. Kevin Spacey's like, if I didn't promise our mother on her deathbed <laughs> that I wouldn't kill you, I would kill you. <laughs> it was so great. And he's like, and then literally he's getting mad at him. He's like, he's like, I said, do you understand me? He was like, and he's just a little mumble. And he's like, do you understand? He goes, ah, I wasn't supposed to say anything. He goes, ah, I remember mine. He punches another grasshopper. And in that one little bit, you just have the whole like relationship defined. He's so perfect. And he could just move on from there and go back to Hopper. Being and I definitely think that this movie does show its age a bit with some of the lighting and 
the character models and and things like that. Mainly with, the character uh, models, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most mostly just when you see the big crowds of ants and how they're lumin. Oh, what's what's the right word? Illuminate? Like illumination wise, yeah, well, I guess yeah. lighting wise, whatever. It it feels illumination. That's the, a difference. That's yeah. what it is. The dynamic range. The dynamic range on this film overall feels a lot more muted than a lot of the uh, the more modern. Well, you know what's funny, Zach, films. you brought it up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought it up is I noticed it really hard because I remember as a kid, I loved the end sequence when the bird caught on fire. And then there's that dramatic like angle with Hopper and the flaming bird behind him. And he's looking mm-hmm. down at Flick. And I remember as a kid, I was like, man, this looks so cool. But it's because it was low res. Now I'm watching it on my 4K TV at home. Yeah. <laughs> and you see like the they got to run smooth motion off. It, it was like it was really kind of I was like, oh, this is like playstation 2 <laughs> like I, I don't know they, i think the graphics still look pretty good they do yeah for the good. most for the i mean there there are very there are a couple of moments where i just remembered thinking oh it's sort of showing its age a little but i mean for the time it's incredible and i do think that well, this film the, does still hold up the chase sequence through the rain too same thing like when they're cutting through the branch oh, yeah the animated rain you I could mean, tell they twig with eyes <laughs> oh my god! I, love that I so remember much. pausing that I shot never saw and trying to like, find him. I always try to look for that twig, and I no, couldn't find him. I don't think he's not in there. There's no ways in the shot. No, there's no way. If someone does, please send it to to the um, Nice Throw or the uh, Great Movie Show podcast um, uh, website. Please send it to Zach. Please, if you actually have a frame of it and you can point to a drawing, please. Someone's just gonna like crudely Photoshop him in there. <laughs> there's probably. Photoshops of that online already, but but yeah, I mean, water simulation hadn't really come as far, and I mean, with that, it's you're on the the macroscopic or not the macro, the microscopic level, yeah, level of well, I guess in that case, the water would be macro comparatively. Oh, to it have is that, too. I mean, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about is like, it's particularly when they're flying through it, it just mm-hmm. doesn't have. I, I guess you could say, like, once again, it has more to do with the lighting and, and the texture of the characters within it as well. Like, same thing, even as much as I love that that sequence where he loses Slim, you can kind of see, like, oh, okay, this is early. Like, they're pushing what the animation can be, the technology. They're pushing it as far as it can go, which is really great. But, you know, like, and I think it's mainly because I was watching it in 4K. Like, I'm sorry, but they weren't even, mm-hmm. they didn't have 4K resolution at that time. So, I, think, just, uh, I don't even know if this was... 1080 technically that's what i'm Probably saying not. so like to watch um, it on my tv that's like which i think up. that's a big part of the of the lighting too because that'll flatten um that'll flatten the dynamic range of how the light wraps around stuff exactly. pretty heavily yep and i honestly think like i think it would have more impact in the resolution that it was intended for like i said when i was watching it on vhs it looks so great like i said Hopper standing over him, especially like when he that shot when he puts his foot on his head right before the colony, you know, everybody interlocks arms. Like the shot was really great as a kid. I was like, wow, you know, and now it's like as an adult and I'm looking at it high resolution. You can see it. It's there. It's okay though, because I love it. <laughs> I do. This is one of the movies I love it. I do. So random question. Uh-huh. Uh would you say Hopper is probably the most dangerous and probably most I wouldn't say most evil because there's probably like more ev- like actual evil people back in the old Disney movies. 
but he's probably like the scariest, most like like villain that you could put in an adult movie and would still work. Mm-hmm. True. I I can't think of. We can just do it for Pixar rather than all Disney movies, but probably like the most dangerous Pixar villain, the most like probably the scariest Pixar villain. I would you say that? Um, from like a character standpoint, probably yes. And just like what he's capable of. Well, once I feel like Pixar did a really good job of like defining their characters well enough to where like you could say that maybe the villain isn't necessarily perfect example is like monsters inc we know mr waternoose was like Mm -hmm. the villain the corporate villain but he had a warmer side to him as well like he really did like sully he really believed in what he was doing so he didn't do anything out of this ridiculously malicious intent and same thing with randall especially in monsters university we find out that Reynolds was just kind of like a jerk because he got picked on a lot. You know, he felt like he, he didn't fit in anywhere. So you get this sense that maybe circumstances create villains. Whereas Hopper comes in. Yeah. He's just, he don't like anybody. He only is out for himself. He wants to control these ants. So yeah, I I'm Matt, I'm with you. And what you're saying is like, he is pretty much the most clearly defined villainous character Pixar has like introduced and if i'm wrong well i mean we don't really get a whole bunch of his backstory or yeah we don't any, really. really we know that he, he promised his mom running, that he wouldn't kill like his yeah brother like it's yeah. in between like his like colonization like back in the 1800s to 1900s of africa mm. from like european countries like almost like that and also like basically mobsters like they're mobsters they yeah. said they're base. It's like racketeering. They're protecting them from other people. You got to do yeah. stuff for protecting. me. Protecting. Yeah, like he even has a line where there's a lot of dangerous bugs that I'm protecting you from. Yeah, which we never see, but it's. I guess it's like a territorial thing with and them. I, I even feel they have like a mobster. Thing, oh, definitely. Like yeah, is. you have like the whole biker with gang. His brother, like thing. he seems like a mobster mm. side character. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the sort of goofy, um, yeah, goofy guy that no one in the mob really takes seriously. I love. I want to talk about this one scene real quick. The one when they're in the sombrero, which I think is one of the most powerful scenes yeah. in the movie. When that really sh- that really shows that yeah. that kind of reminds me of. Uh, of what untouchables where Robert De Niro or who is playing Al Capone just starts beating yes. the guy with a baseball bat. Yes. And the thing is, is like what both scenes achieve in like spades is setting up that you're not dealing with someone who's just like this big jerk or big buffoon. Who's just trying to overpower people. The best kind of villains have an almost, intellectual argument as to why they're doing what they're doing and they have a very like self-aware approach to it and that is what he's doing he's trying to educate all of his idiots of like no dude you know this is who we are this is what we are and you over here like you know the whole thing with throwing the acorn or like whatever it is a little nut at, at it was like head. a yeah it was a piece of grain or something yeah, yeah. the grain is like aha did that hurt no and then of course he rips the whole thing down and it crushes yeah. them and it's like you just are know they dead no. Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. They don't really yeah, talk I think about they it. are. Yep, they're dead. When, I, when they're I was younger, I thought they just like hurt him. But now I'm like thinking that he actually killed him. Oh, he definitely killed him. 
But then once but again, it's... also seen established why you would follow him, like why Hopper mm-hmm. is who he is, like how he can lead all of these guys. You could see it. In that scene, you yeah. definitely see it. Because none you of the grasshoppers the, uh... really seen that evil. It's just like, oh, Hopper wants us to do this, and we don't want to piss off Hopper. Exactly. Go ahead, Zach. You were going to say something before Matt said something? Um, so when he pulls the thing off the wall and he just has this expression of indifference. Yes! It always <laughs> cracked me up as a kid. When he just, like, oh, how about this? And he just rips it off. The floodgates come out and he, it cuts back to him as just this, the most stoic of faces. And that was always <laughs> hilarious to me. I don't think I realized at the time exactly what he was saying. Yep. Um, so it was weird. I don't think I've seen this movie in 12 years, maybe. So um, Zach, I to was going to talk about mm-hmm. that point. So as a kid... I totally thought I didn't know that he was like being sarcastic the whole entire time. I thought he was oh, like actually he just changed his mind and then changed his mind. <laughs> and then I remember watching it then, or I, I watched it earlier this week and I was like, Oh yeah, he was being sarcastic the whole entire time. Cause like in my head, I was like, why don't we just like, he's doing the, yeah. why don't we just stay here? We have plenty of food. It's like, we don't want to deal with the rain. It's just one ant, and then... And, and that's the like thing. I was like, go no, ahead. continue, Will. Uh, I was just going to say, um, that's the thing that we're talking about, but we're not, which is, is as much as me and Zach said, you know, the, the graphics clearly aren't up to par as that they are now. The movie shows this age. One thing that is timeless is the character animation. Pixar, once again, just, like, nails it. Even as, like, low-res as it might seem... The, the actual facial performances that the animators were able to actually get these characters to do still holds up. Like, the, such a great um, thing to point out is that deadpan expression. Like, someone definitely animated it and, like, did the physical comedy and, like, showed how he was being super sarcastic. And, like, you can even see in the um, the scene that I was talking about that introduces um, Hopper's brother, he's doing a lot of fast talking and I watched it in close. Like I watched it again and it still holds up, man. He's talking a mile a minute. Just oh yeah. Away, and those lips are it's moving. like reboot. And it's great. Like they just do such a good job in the way he cowers and like flicks kind of um, his kind of gait and his way he's walking. And even like when he's carrying that big, you know, um, contraption on his back, you can tell it has a kind of weight to it. Like they do such a good job and it's just, it goes under the radar as you pointed out, Zach. Um, I forget what movie we were talking about too when you said it very early on. It's like, it is kind of like special effects in movies. Is you're not supposed to notice it, but I can't well, yeah, help but I mean, notice ideally. it when talking about it. Yeah, and I just can't help but point it out. But go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry to cut you off. I love you. I don't even remember what I was talking about. To break down specific points of comparison between Frozen and A Bug's Life, I would say the best way we can do it is to buckle it down to the story structure, which we kind of touched on earlier with how Pixar went away from the buddy comedy side to it, where it became almost like a lone character getting along with a, a bunch of, or like, I guess you say an odd Mary bunch characters and then getting against like a main villain. Whereas frozen is clearly more of a, uh, I mean, let's just say what it is. It's like a meta commentary on all of the preceding princess stories that have been done before. I mean, literally every, but it's also like based off of an old story, like all of those. And I, I don't know like how accurate it is to those stories. 
it it's not very accurate to the Ice Queen, tell you the truth. Like Hans Christian Andersen, once again, he wrote the Ice Queen and, and stuff like that. And it, it's not who also it's not, wrote like Little Mermaid and exactly. Probably, yeah, it doesn't really follow the. Wait, structure so Disney just stole Hans Christian Andersen's? Yeah, they always do that. Absolutely, but um, to steer it back towards a Bug's Life, um, to get a little more in depth on the writing, um, the first act is really more of Flick's setup, setting up the. I guess you could say tradition of the colony of, of getting all the food in there, things like that, giving it. And then we set up our big inciting incident, which is the food falling off. Right. He messed that up. And then we get um, the decisive choice of them to send him away thinking he's going to fail. Of course we know he's not. And then we get introduced to our silly characters um, from that story beat. We, he actually brings them back. We know that much. And then, it's kind of, it becomes its own movie in parts. Like it's three different movies separately. Cause that middle portion, when he brings it back is what we could really get breakdown, which is. That's I think the most interesting part is, is when you have, think right. that these are warriors. And then more importantly is the, I guess we could say the warriors, right? <laughs> um, they don't really want to be there. They don't believe themselves and they don't know where they are in life, which is a really interesting thing to put these characters in. Like if you really put it in perspective, you're trying to write, a group of characters that just got fired from a thing that they've been, that the thing that they thought they were pretty good at a life that they thought was kind of all right, except for obviously I mean, it kind of seemed like a mediocre. <laughs> I'm just saying man, these, well, mediocre as it was, clearly they were all pretty bummed out when flea fired them. <laughs> but, um, so they don't know whether, they're, what they're going to do next. And so it's a really great place to put them in because they're all so undefined. So now you get to define them in this middle portion. What is the scene that kind of brings them all together? And it's, once again, this is actually really underrated storytelling is the scene with the bird, you know, the bird attack. And you kind of see them working as a team. You get to see it because before, remember, they were so goofy, which once again, you can under, you can underappreciate it if you want to and you kind of overlook it. But you have to recognize that they were introduced so comically as unorthodox mm. and unorchestrated and, you know, disorganized and buffoons. And then when the time calls for it, when they were under pressure, literally their friends' lives were in danger. Mm-hmm. They actually worked really freaking well, like as a yeah, team. Yeah, they did. And that's yeah, but they I mean. didn't fight anything. No, but still, they worked as a team, Zach. I'm just pointing out, like, this is this is really good storytelling because you're yeah. seeing it. And nobody died, so they won. Yeah, yeah. Zach. <laughs> The they bird, did. they were in a, a prickly bush. But I do like uh, the bit when Francis and Dot fall down the crevice yeah. and Francis gets knocked out, which <laughs> is smart because if you know ladybugs, you know that underneath their ankles, they have a they have a pheromone that they spray at birds when they get flipped over that makes the birds run away. Oh my God. I did uh, not yeah. know that. That's cool. Yeah. That's a movie detail right there. Yeah. Nice. But... <laughs> because he's knocked out, he couldn't use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. really good. I like that. Yeah. They wrote themselves out of a hole there. Yeah, I don't know if... Um, I'm sure they had to have done research on ladybugs and then they... be like, oh, well, this will get us out of that, yep. that thing. Yeah. But um, stuff like that. I like the, all of the, uh, the, the bits leading up to where they realize that they think that these guys are going to fight the grasshoppers <laughs> and how you just have this parallel arc or parallel bits happening happening through that like the the can rolls over and they basically say yeah we'll take whatever this job is before the before the fly goons wake up and beat them up so yeah just tell us tell us about it on the way and so they're just it's it's just them trying to get out of a bad situation and not make it look like 
they're in a uh, people are trying to hurt them. Exactly, and that's what and I then, like. Of course, they have him uh, when they're riding on Dim the Rhino Beetle. He's with the pill bugs. Who? <laughs> what are they? Are they French or no, Russian or Hunga- something? They're Hungarian. I thought they yeah. were. I thought they were Russian, but I looked it up on Wikipedia. You fired. You fired. <laughs> But like, how, how Flick's explaining everything to them, and then they just like look at each other. Like, we don't know what he's saying. Uh, but he basically tells all the information that would have made the rest. And of then the they do that really. They, they do that like weird laugh at him because it's like that yeah. that laugh where you know that oh, you don't understand oh, oh, oh. anything this person is saying. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> and then it's it's not until they um they get there and the kids do the fun last leaf has fallen play and i love that I, where they show the art so that good. they did yeah she wanted oh, you dying because our teacher said it would be more <laughs> oh my god that is actually like, i'm so glad you brought that up that is like once again it sets the stakes for the characters from a writing yeah. perspective it's so well done because remember they don't know what's at stake they're just like yeah we'll take the job sure we're just trying to get away from this and you know hey hopefully it'll pay they don't know anything and in this one way you can just give it to them straight is this little troop performance yeah and you just see their reactions to it you should do a comparison of uh that scene the scene of the kids play from the termite scene in ants oh please (laughs) that'd be great Die, die! But it's just—it's great. Then, like, and then Heimlich, they run off. goes pale when he sees yeah. like the portrait of himself. <laughs> but oh I, my god! But um, I know we definitely kind of want to speed it along here, but I do like how inventive the ideas that Flick comes up with are. They're smart, clever little things. He makes the all of his goofy inventions the the telescope with the dewdrop and the grass and the uh, the bird. I think the bird is a cool concept and when you have all the ants working on it and that that i guess it's technically a montage sequence of the bird yeah. being built and they're Definitely all doing montage, yeah doing all that creative it sort of reminded me of the flintstones when you'd have animals like doing all these weird mechanical jobs yeah oh, definitely, definitely. where they fly up with the the cutout and then trace it on the ground yep. using using the sun well actually magnifier and actually like once again just to kind of make my point of the animation the scene where they're actually trying to fly the bird around not trying they actually are and the little girls have to steer it and you cut to the inside when it's first like descending and you see flick's reaction and the entire bird is shaking yeah Yeah. sorry but you know i mean it's like it's just going on that steep that first dive down and it's Mm -hmm. a really cool cut to the interior then like and the sound effects are really great because the whole thing's shaking and there's a Mm -hmm. real sense of um it does have that weight yeah that's and it does such a good job with that and the animators just nailed it in my book they they nailed it with that Mm -hmm. animation and giving it a sense of weight and stuff like that and it's really thrilling like because of this the um the sense of the weight and the way that the sound effects go and obviously with it being intercut it is really thrilling to watch and then of course flea once again matt to make your point it's like every time you see him swear you know he's gonna mess it up he sets that bitch on fire and you're just like ah yeah come on (laughs) oh man but yeah it um I feel like A Bug's Life is really underrated as a Pixar film for its structure because even though it's not like clearly top tier Pixar, we know it. Yeah, I forget Pixar about it all like. the time. But like, if you go back, there are really great moments that show you mm. great, great physical comedy, great, well written comedy, um, 
And then um, obviously the the story structure is so unconventional for a typical Pixar movie and they really nailed it. They, they did a well, good job. Well, at this job. point, I think well, this was the second Pixar film. So Right. Yeah. Do you think maybe because it was sandwiched in between two Toy Story movies, maybe people don't remember it? And plus, it's like the second one. Because it, it feels like all the other movies after that, because I think it goes Monsters Incorporated, Finding Nemo, Incredibles. And... I don't think so. I think it's right where it should be. The problem is, is it's like when you have such a strong catalog that Pixar does. I think it's a solid movie, but nobody wants to really talk about it. Well, think about it. Look, at, just name all the other Pixar movies you just did, like Incredibles, Ratatouille, Wall-E, um, the first, second, and third Toy Story movies. Like already, you're talking about like next level animation, regardless of whether or not they're animated. They're just good films in general, and like. There's A Bug's Life, which is a really good comedy. It's a really strong movie, but is it as good as those ones? Is no. it maybe because the plot's kind of like old and like... Oh, I think I think it doesn't really tie into the rest of the Pixar films in the same way that all of the other ones feel feel like they sort of exist in that same universe. Even though, I mean, we have the Pizza Planet truck in this movie yeah. briefly. But, um, but it doesn't feel as as well like like when people talk about pixar films they usually talk about the uh the whole all of the movies are in the same universe kind of thing and with yeah. bugs life it feels like it doesn't necessarily have to uphold to that that theory well the whole entire thing with a bugs with bugs life is it's in a universe like bugs are are practically in like a different universe to us because mm-hmm. they're kind of like what's going on with them is irrelevant to us and it, and it kind of shows like a hat that's on the ground is a place for them. And what like the trailer park or whatever. Oh, it, I wonder if that trailer is like the same trailer that's in Monsters Incorporated. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it is in the universe. It's just us people don't well, yeah, notice the piece it. The planet truck is right next to the, uh, the trailer. Yeah. Like I said, I I genuinely I hear what you guys are saying as far as well what Matt's saying is you know do you think it's like just kind of underrated? No, I think it's right where it should be in the Pixar catalog. I genuinely think that it's a great movie, but it's a great movie next to like historically like next level movies within a giant catalog of really good movies. So it just kind of gets placed in you know a kind of backseat area, but that's due to no one's fault. It's just genuinely like they're just really there are a lot better yeah. movies at pixar okay yeah so i definitely want to jump over to frozen but before yes. we do that i want to uh here's my one thing like with a bug's life where i'm kind of like uh so how hopper gets defeated it's <laughs> I, f- I feel like they don't defeat hopper a tyrannosaurus rex breaks through the uh <laughs> the museum and yeah it's the aggressor so i i watched that scene and Uh and flick my favorite person my favorite aunt (laughs) yeah says hide over here don't come out no matter what Mm. so flick knows where he is he knows that a bird's gonna attack hopper Mm -hmm. He, he knows so that's that's where i see it it's not like yeah. he took him to a random spot. I think he knew the spot that the well, bird was. Yeah, he definitely there. knew because the situation earlier, and I get that. But it's the whole, 
I feel like what they were building for in the movie was the ants rising up on their own and defeating Hopper. I get that would have. I mean, technically they did. Murder. It's just Hopper hap- happened to like get out of it somehow. Well, yeah, they like lured him into a weird mousetrap. What I want to see, what what I'm curious of, and if this movie doesn't move on to the next round, I want us to do an episode kind of talking about this. But the idea, <laughs> if there was no bird there and Hopper just brutally murdered Flick and came back next season with more grasshoppers and where that story would kind of pick up. Well, that wouldn't happen in a Pixar movie. I know, but, well, but it's interesting I, to think about. At least, at least say that he gets away and doesn't well, yeah, murder But Flick. you know that if, if Hopper doesn't die, he's murdering Flick. Or just like say that, he, that he thinks he murders Flick, but he, they, they don't do cliff holders. This isn't like the MCU. But it just it cliff feels... Cliffhangers, not cliff holders. Cliff holders. I don't know. That just seems interesting. Interesting to me with the, the mindset of Hopper. I want to see... I want to see that villain come back and have a more brutal version of him where he's, he's like the most more brutal tyrannical. villain like that I've ever seen in a kid's movie. Man, he's it's a, a story exercise. It's just an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll talk about it eventually. Yeah. Anyway, let's but go. Let's move on. to. They're first. not going to kill flick. I don't think they kill any main characters in any Pixar movies. You can what do say you mean? like they, uh, yeah, they killed the lady said, and up. I said main characters, but the lady and up wasn't a main character. They're only in like the first Coco. ten movies. <laughs> Coco just pretended to be dead. Are you ready to do Frozen while we're almost an hour into this show? Oh my gosh! Yeah, this one's going to be a pain to edit. Yeah, let's it's let's uh, let's let Bugs Life go and move on let to Frozen. It go. Uh, all right yeah um let's not finish each other's sandwiches <laughs> okay i'll start so, the, i'll start the frozen talk oh okay yeah so is princess anna like the most adorable princess in the world no no what, <laughs> what? i like the character she was she's weird like, but she i like her she's awesome like Princess Anna is God. That's that's just all I'm gonna say. She's pretty much as awesome as you can be for someone who's been locked in a castle for twenty years. She's just like so cute and adorable and like just really fun. Like whenever she's on screen, it's always something entertaining. Like kind of bubbly. Which is most- like like imagine if you had Princess Anna as your waitress. You would have a good meal. Oh, definitely. Um, I will say this. I I don't think she's the cutest princess of all time because that forever will go to um, little baby Merida. I'm not talking about like looks, though. I'm talking about like personality and just like fun. Oh, personality and fun. That immediately goes to Moana. She's the coolest princess ever. Well, those movies aren't the movies we're talking about today. I'm just saying. All right, look, we're Let's try being and a warrior and defeating the Mongolians isn't cute. 
All right. That's true. Mulan does steal that too. Damn, you're right. Oh. You got me on Mulan. All right. All right. Sorry. Oh, Anna. finally. I, I have a perp I have a point that I make and you don't insult mm-hmm. me and make me feel like I'm a terrible person. Yeah, for once for once you were right. Good job, Matt. I'm proud of you. I love you. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on, because Zach's gonna really get mad if we don't start talking about real movie stuff as far as Frozen's concerned. Anyway. I want to talk about the lighting. The lighting in this. After watching A Bug's Life and then this back-to-back, you see a tremendous improvement. I mean, I imagine they're using a bunch of the same technology developed by Pixar for these, like the movies like this and Wreck-It Ralph, where they have have that. You have to imagine, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be that same proprietary software stuff that they use. But just how far stuff has come Mm -hmm. in that time, and there's there's a, a lot of cool practical uses i mean in a bug's life you had cool lighting effects too like when they were um i'm going to jump a little bit as i talk about lighting but when they're in the circus bit and you have the lightning bugs doing that stuff and then they have uh he puts like a lollipop in front of it as a gel and then you have a lot of that same stuff happening in this movie this movie felt a lot more uh set up like they were planning to release a musical on broadway of this well that's what i was going to even how they were all lit and yeah, in a, especially particular during the the musical numbers, some of which I could have done without. Well, but that, let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. yeah, let it go. Let it go, Zach. No, but, um, let it go. No, hold on, probably Zach. the worst one. Sorry, Zach. I keep trying to cut you off. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And finish. Oh, um, but like the troll song, which I thought I was going I to like hate it. when they started singing. And then I was like, okay, I can get down with this. But you have that ambient, I'm going to call it a practical light because it is practical of the uh, the Aurora Borealis coming down on them and then having that nice edge light like around the hair where you're able to use green in a fun, mystical way. That adds they to They have that this. in the beginning of the movie too. Yeah. And they, they do it a lot throughout when Elsa makes the weird Dr. Manhattan glass palace thing um, as she's singing Let It Go and you have those those illuminating ice sculptures in the wall, which brought a lot of questions to me from a practical standpoint, but from a lighting and cinematic standpoint, it all it all benefits it. And I I I just love how they're able to use and this is just a lighting nerd thing, but like they're able to use stuff in front of light sources and how that can diffuse them or change the the texture of that light like with the uh with the ice or the glass or um what's the love song that they sing um anna and prince whatever his name is hans when they're in one of the towers and you have the stained glass and there's just the light coming behind them and it wraps around the faces it's wonderful and the cloth physics dude the cloth physics and the snow physics when you see how the snow reacts, snows generally, from what I understand, a very rough thing to simulate. Oh, and dude, it's to, to work with and have it like clump in what feels like natural ways as you walk through it and it, it shifts around. And where that's that's come since, say, like a bug's life. If you had a bug's life in the snow, it would be weird or even from if you look back at monsters inc and the snow scenes in that when sully's sliding his toboggan down and the snow here feels a lot more um 
just physical and does a I mean this is a movie about snow basically yeah. when you when you look about it or mm -hmm. look look at it and they do that really well and the cloth physics are great too it's weird like when she would bend down and the dress would like fold in weird ways that I'm nerding out about really just weird stuff but how that cloth would react it was it was really cool to see how far uh how no, far we've come yeah no you're right just as a um, society and being able to simulate cloth <laughs> so. see as much as you nerd out about that is i started nerding out about this movie right when i did hear that the same um songwriters and uh people that worked on uh the book of mormon it was like a husband and uh oh wife. really yeah yeah they wrote the music for this movie. And that's why you get Josh Gad as well. Cause someone must've had someone's ear and was like, Hey, look, man, I know somebody and their style is so, so much like ingrained in the personality of this film. Mm -hmm. it, it, you can't, now I can't fathom anyone else coming in trying to write music like this. Per example is like, um, when you first time you hear, um, do you want to build a snowman? And you, you get a little bit of like spoken dialogue and then it immediately goes to singing. Like, you know, what is it? Um, do you want to build a snowman? It goes fine. And, um, uh, and I, I, I can't, oh God, I wish I, I could actually cite it word for word, but I, I honestly am trying not to, because I'll start singing the whole thing. But if you go back and you listen to the music, particularly in like first time in forever, the first time you hear it in the movie, because there's a reprise later on, but in the first instance, yeah. with Kristen Bell in particular, um, when she's talking about, um, some, one of the lines is, um, um, she burps or something like that because she's like really nervous. That no, is like, so. I don't know if I'm anxious or gassy, but I'm so. Yeah. Clean. Yes, that is their style of writing. That is so. I don't know. It just reveals so much in character, and it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And then, um, as you as you guys were touching on what me and Matt were arguing about is it, it becomes more of like a Broadway production, um, with its style of going immediately into song you have dialogue interspersed with song mm -hmm. and even the pacing particularly obviously in the number let it go um the lighting and the transitions in the animation her running up the steps i mean you could literally imagine someone doing that with a stage with you know they're trying to extend or roll out these huge steps for an actress to kind of run up and sing mm -hmm. and then you can imagine they cut the lighting and like she could change into a dress of that beautiful flowing dress that she has in the movie. And then boom, you get that dramatic lighting on top and, and the strut that she does with the, the animation when she's walking towards the open door, um, basically into that balcony setting is phenomenal. I mean, but just to go back to the writing, even you get the Josh Gad to me, which is the best song in the entire movie. I know let it go is great, but in summer is fantastic. It is so good. That's what makes Olaf like that. That little bit just burns Olaf immediately in top tier, like supporting character roles of all time in animation. Yeah. His, his song in summer. It is so great. And it's animated so well. Um, I mean, there, there's not much else I can say beyond that because like to me, loving writing, having, you know, always wanted to be somewhat of like a decent writer, hopefully one day get paid for it. I do appreciate really good songwriting as well. Writing a song is not like writing a novel, not like writing poetry. You have to really kind of find a sweet spot. You have to get the point across, but not make it overly complicated. And that is what puts mm -hmm. Frozen as a soundtrack over a lot of other films 
um, in that each song serves a very distinct purpose. Even, for example, I brought up First Time in Forever. And then the second time is the reprise. I do love that song. Yeah, and it takes on a new meaning, meaning in you know, First Time in Forever reprise, where now it has a little bit of a darker turn, where Kristen Bell's character, Anna, is trying to connect with um, her sister. And it, it goes the other way, right? And, and um, she ends up uh, freezing her heart or, you know, make, making her sister um, um, basically turn into like an ice statue by the end of the film. And um, oh, yeah. it takes on – that's just good writing is what I'm, I'm basically trying to say is when you have something, you introduce a concept of like these sisters feeling like they're free, right? It's the first time in forever. And then you kind of twist that on its head. Once again, you think the story's going one way. Oh, she's found her sister. Everything's going to be fine. They're totally going to get it. And no. Like trauma doesn't exactly go away that easily. It's not just easily fixed. This isn't your typical um, Disney princess movie where everyone's just going to connect and everything's fine. If anything, the scene after that is really great too, um, where the uh, the guards you know storm the castle, and I feel like that's like an underrated little bit of an action scene for Elsa. Um, oh yeah, everyone kind of going up against two guys with crossbows. Yeah, um, and it was really good. I really dug it. I liked it a lot, man, where she was pushing one guy with her ice powers like right off the balcony, and then the one guy shoots the uh, chandelier. I'm like, dang, this is... Would you want to go over someone or like try and take on someone with crazy ice powers with a crossbow? They, I, mean, they, I don't think they have better technology back then. Yeah, they did Whenever didn't. this was dated. I tell you it just what, seemed weird to have job. two, uh, just two guys doing well, that. Well, they got her anyway, so <laughs> that's all they had, I guess. The, oh, the yeah. one, the one guy with the dance moves. Yeah, um, but let's go ahead and, and talk about. Obviously, if I'm going to keep going on and on about the writing, um, the setup of Prince Hans when you first meet him with uh, "Love Is an Open Door," uh, they're a great little singing song, and um, it is really cute. <laughs> and I love how like now married couples sing that, and it's like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's weird. like now we know what Prince Hans like really was doing. So it's like it takes that weird turn, which kind I think a, was in, kind of in, a punk. Yeah, and he like starts off where you think, oh, he's not, he doesn't seem like your super eloquent traditional like Disney prince. He nope. seems kind of goofy, kind of weird, and you're like, all right, cool, an every dude, and then he is a uh, a cancerous asshole trying to take over uh, the kingdom of whatever it's called. Arendal or something. That. I keep thinking that's like a Lord of the Rings town. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But um, I will say that they that that third that third act turn for me was pretty much undeniable and ridiculously predictable. I was hoping that they wouldn't make him a villain. I was hoping that you know it would come down to. Elsa realizing she was going to, you know, basically freeze her sister to death or have her be an ice heart and like do something, you know, a little bit different than what ended up happening, which is, you know, Anna stops him with the sword on the ice frozen lake or whatever. And it is great. It's a great visual. It's fine. I get it. She saves her sister and it, it, it I get thematically what it means because, you know, think of it as like Beauty and the Beast. Except this time, you know, they're, they're not lovers, they're sisters, you know, and it's really great because she's saving her sister from what would be like a Gaston character. So, like, Disney's done it before and they did it really good with Frozen. Um, but, I mean, they were already setting up Jonathan Groff's character, um, Kristoff. So I knew, I was like, okay, they're not going to have two guys. It would be cool if 
you know, they didn't have a clear cut villain and more of like the villain of the movie would have been just the circumstance and miscommunication, but no, they needed a villain for the third act. And so they kind of, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like, um, the dark Knight rises with Bane. And I know you guys are like, what the hell? Why is he bringing up dark Knight rises with a Disney movie? But you know, like that kind of, it just let the air out of the balloon when you found out, okay, Bane's not the main bad guy. We've got Talia al Ghul who's been running the whole show. And it kind of took everything that Bane had done previously and just kind of like, Oh, he was this big threatening guy, but he was just getting his orders from her. Oh, he's not as smart as we thought he was. And so it's the same thing with, you know, as you were putting it, Zach, like they set up Hans as like this kind of goofy prince and it was cool. I liked it from a story aspect and I thought they were just going to keep it that way. Like, yeah, he's a nice guy, but he's just not a good fit for Anna. You know, like, hey, you know, first love's kiss. Like, I thought they were really going to kiss and it wasn't going to save her. And that would be like a really interesting choice to make. Like, oh, I mean, wow. that is kind of what happened. He well, didn't. No, he, he just a punched dick. her in the mouth. Yeah, he's just kind of, he's a dick. He just refused to kiss her and like told her. But it would have been more interesting is that they did kiss, but it didn't do anything. Like, it didn't change anything. Uh, I thought they, they played that part fine. It's kind of, you knew that, you knew that something weird was going to happen. What I thought was weird was uh, the, what's his name? The, the tiny guy with the glasses. Oh, um, 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 um the old guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought weird, he wasn't as much of a villain as they kind of made him out to be. No, not at all. But once again, I feel like that's a part of the misdirect, right? You set it up. Yeah. He was, more well, but like, then they arrest him at the end. Well, because yeah. and that seemed kind of weird. That was weird. Like he was basically afraid of Elsa and then sent the people out to go kill Elsa. Oh, so they probably right. knew about that. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. That was his whole part to play. See, I um, I forgot about it already. Because let's be honest, the music and Olaf kind of steamrolls the rest of whatever's relevant to the movie. <laughs> also, let's it's it's weird how uh, she like met this guy for 20 minutes basically. Yeah, and then um, he's interim leader of the of the uh the realm or whatever yeah it really shows like the the power structure of that yeah never mind never mind the fact that the two rulers of the town had been basically locked away for um for 20 years in the castle or however many years it was not to uh well is that i mean talk about a disconnect from the common man am i right no, I hear what you're saying. It's it's weird to like. How are they going to understand the social and economic issues of what um, of what the everyday citizen of this town is facing? No, you're absolutely right. And then don't forget, like we only get one scene of him like going amongst the people with blankets, and you know he tells yeah. Anna, "Oh yes, go get your sister. It's fine." And we're just like, "Wow, what a great guy!" And now he's got all this clout, I guess, to make these big decisions. <laughs> Everyone just trusts him. But also, I feel like it's a it's once again. It's it's some that um I talk about with um my sister when we when we start breaking it's like down the film ultimate Nigerian prince scheme. Yeah, but more importantly is to me there's something called um there's the artistic choice versus the logical one, and sometimes the logical one doesn't fit what you're artistically oh, trying to say. So they made an artistic choice to show like how easily everyone kind of just trusts Hans. Like it doesn't fit the logic because the town, none of the people probably know who he is. Maybe they do, but they haven't shown anything in the movie that says otherwise. Um, And so what you have is 
you only have a certain amount of scenes to get across it. Like this guy's a really great guy. And look, he's, he's smarmy a little bit too. And, you know, he can kind of get in and be trustworthy and everyone can just, he'll just take over a scenario. And then it sets up for that third act reveal. And like, okay, you know, they're, they're putting the trope on its head. Once again, he comes across as like a Prince Eric from the little mermaid, which once again, Zach goes, what you were saying, she only met him for like 20 minutes. They sang a song, they fell in love and they want to get married immediately it's the writers making artistic decision to critique the previous generation of princesses and kind of the choices that the storytellers made. Well, yeah. I mean, it's definitely modifying or progressing from where we, we have been and um, with female protagonists in general. What did you say been. in our, um, our little group chat? You got to say it um, on the podcast. It was really great. What is it? Um, I don't remember. The um the previous generations of Disney princess princesses were wa- they walked so that <laughs> Frozen could run. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, that yeah. was good. I like that very much. I did. <laughs> I like it. It's, it's true. It's like we had generations of like previous storytellers, and now we get to this, and that's why we. Yeah, we and I mean, it's definitely a comment. I think that's probably the most obvious thing that you can say about this movie is that it is a commentary on traditional Disney films and. Yep. It acknowledges that in interesting ways and with the whole Princess Anna thing and Hans and then Kristoff. I think I think it does so in a in an interesting way, in a much better way than I thought it was going to do when I went into this movie. Yeah, I mean Elsa's got that great line now, is like, you know, it's a meme. It's like you can't marry a man you just met. So it, it was I don't know if that's a meme. That's kind of common sense. Well, it was a meme with the other Disney princesses and stuff like that. I'll have to show it to you. But yeah, I mean if you come from a place of uh of basically not seeing other people outside of maybe the castle staff in yep. some odd many years you'll probably be a bit awkward a bit crazy to the common man or common Absolutely. person also when they open the castle and she's singing that song and she's basically just messing around with the plates and throwing stuff into the cakes and all of that basically making the probably getting on all of the the staff's nerves you know, great <laughs> we're trying to open the doors and she's making a big mess of the whole castle that we just cleaned up it's like, come on she's so come goofy. on your highness <laughs> she is man she's a lovable goof in this movie it really is it's it's fun to see um her whole scene with um Kristoff on the sled it's really great. Um, her little back and forth with Jonathan Groff. Um, if you guys, for our listeners out there, that's the same guy in Mindhunters, by the way, who's like the main FBI agent. He's also, um, he cut his teeth on Broadway as well. Um, yeah. It's yeah, this actually, feels like a very Broadway. Exactly, man. And it's, I wasn't getting all credit to those. All all credit goes to the directors um, and the um, the songwriters and everyone kind of clearly leaning into that. They're definitely, all credit were, goes to everyone. Yeah, true. Um, let's be honest, Maybe. right? I feel like I feel like they there was a concerted effort to bring back traditional Disney while also making some more progressive choices via the story. But yeah. they definitely brought it back to like Beauty and the Beast levels of like, no, we're gonna do like a Broadway of musical style. We're gonna honor Howard Ashman Ashman and Alan Menken and what they brought to, you know, the previous Disney Renaissance and it, it, and it works. It, it, it's, it deserves its accolades. I know it's the cool thing to shit on um, movies that were highly successful and culturally impactful. And like, we just hate on something because it's super I mean, popular. You can't like go anywhere. So this movie was so aggressively marketed to the yeah. point where the sequel, I had a loaf of bread in my cupboard that had 
promotions for the sequel for Frozen <laughs> 2 on a loaf of bread. I mean, can't escape it. Can't. It deserved it though. That's what I mean. Like I it's funny because like um when I'm talking about um what was it? it it Just was, wonder uh, who does those meetings and like what those meetings are like. We want to put the Frozen Two logo on the uh, on the Wonder Bread. Yeah, and then <laughs> I also want to know like, do you think Wonder Bread paid Disney to have like Frozen Two on their? No, market? that's ad what space. Would buy it that's Disney or... paying them. Oh, okay, okay. Because that's what I was gonna say. Is like, yeah. do you think Disney's doing them a favor or that's they're... like a billboard? Yeah, or a NASCAR thing. I'm just saying, man, I feel like maybe Disney swung it the other way. It was like, look, man, you know, our movie's going to be big, man. People will buy your bread if Elsa's on it. So what's up, man? Do you want a piece? Yeah, I mean, this what? movie smashed. This was crazy. Dude, it was a billion dollar animated movie. Do you it, think they were they planning on making a sequel from the get go? No, because it didn't really feel like a movie that needed a sequel. I don't know anything about the sequel, well, really. Well, let's even uh, let's just go ahead and do it. I, I feel like it's not so much an elephant in the room, but really what also helped the cultural impact of it is that Let It Go became such a great anthem, not just for young girls, but also like you saw a flood of support for the song from our beautiful queens, our trans community. <laughs> and it, really? like, oh, my God, dude, it blew up. You saw so many great videos of like, you know, performances. Like I said, it it, it just it touched my heart that it it could be more than just like some kind of isolated thing within the movie. It really was great, honestly. Like, I'm surprised I we didn't have that same explosion with uh, Randy Newman's song from the credits <laughs> of uh, Bugs Life. Yeah, um, what was it? Um, <laughs> Time of Your Life. Yeah. Just an ant, just an ant. No one cares. <laughs> oh, I know. Who gives I a shit? I, yeah, he, I was gonna say, I feel like you should get the check on that. I was like, right? I don't have anything. I, have I mean, nothing. if ever there was nothing. a song that felt like that Family Guy bit where it's like, oh, here's Randy Newman singing about what he sees. It's a story about friendship with music by me. <laughs> oh my God, dude. It's so true. But no, um, Let It Go definitely was inspirational for little girls. Um, it still holds up now. At least lyrically, like I said, it, it, I can't listen to the song again. It's been, I mean, it's like I, I a five-year-old movie. It's not. I need a. I need a break. Like, I need a, a break. I need a break, guys. Oh, All right, I'm done. I have. I have a little girl at home. I'm done. I'm. I'm good. Part of me but, thinks that, like, uh, if we were to do, you know, like when when people pick a jury and it's like, do you do you know anything about this? And mm. if they say no, then they're on the jury. If we were to do yeah. that between those two movies, like Frozen would probably come out better. But everybody's just sick of Frozen. Yeah. No, I believe it. But I will say this, man. You know you did something right when now no one can say let it go without thinking of Frozen, without you know thinking I mean, of You just had Disney like make an IP. Yeah, they should do. They should just go ahead and like Well, uh, I mean, I right this definitely movie. came out stronger than a lot of Disney IPs, I feel like. Like this one I feel like this film does have that staying power yeah. of some of the other ones um, where there's a lot that maybe don't have a lot of the traditional staying power, like say Monsters, Inc. or um, other ones. I don't What am I even saying right now? Jeez. Well, Zach, I don't, don't <laughs> yeah. want to cut you off, but I, I do want to point out that, you know, we talked a lot about Pixar movies with like the, uh, the buddy comedy structure and really it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's two guys connecting you know and 
you know, th- their relationship gets tested and they get closer. And it is really great to see that Frozen kind of took that little bit of a structure and made about two sisters who never really got to connect. And well, they uh, did, but it was all because of her, like a misunderstanding. Uh, yeah, and it was you, really uh, sweet. You mean when story. her head got shot with an ice bolt? Exactly. Dude. I mean, we've all been there. Traditional yeah, family right? dynamics. One exactly. enchanted sister shoots the other sister with an ice bolt and then uh the other sister has to have her memory erased and then they don't hang out anymore they lock the castle doors yep totally i can relate man you know my brother covid movie in a pre-covid world oh my god (laughs) very pre-covid because it's like from the 1600s or 1700s Elsa, or whatever. Yeah, man. Elsa was ahead of the game, man. She kept those gloves on. She didn't want nobody touching her. Hey, back up. <laughs> the virus Watch does do better in cold. Arendelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cold. The cold never bothered the virus anyway. Exactly. But, oh, thank you for, for making making a really good joke but also like i said the the song I, I really want to touch on is like a lot of those lyrics can be applicable to anyone who's had to deal with bullying with accepting who you are and you know obviously the cold never bothered me anyway ha 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 you know she's the ice queen but it is something really powerful to acknowledge that like you know we all we all struggle with that we do we struggle with the world kind of not accepting us or maybe we feel out of place and so it's like you know what yeah i am it, it's a it's a little bit cold and lonely over here but damn yeah, it. that's why the demi like lovato me- lyrics sound so much better does it really oh, get the, that message across God. oh I, I want to do like I want to do like a I want to do like a compare and contra- contrast. Oh, Zach, talk to him. I'm not doing. Um, that. are we ready to do our votes? Is there anything else that we want to yeah, talk about? I want to. I want to go last. I'm coming back. We're voting because I don't want to hear Matt talk about this damn like just disrespecting Adina Menzel, dude. I think we're voting now. Well, all right, good. I'm, I'm Let ready. it go. Let it okay, go. Well, all right. This is the voting part of the show. I forget what I normally say here, but um, <laughs> this has been this has been a clown-tastic episode, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> all right. Two movies enter. One movie leaves. This is the Great Movie Showdown. Today we have a uh, we have a movie about systematic oppression of the ant people <laughs> versus. A movie where a snowman can bring two sisters together and save an economically uh, dubious <laughs> Norse-based civilization. Let's something. go with that. Yeah, I'll probably like re-record You don't something. have to do it again, Zach. He can do what he wants. It's all right. All right. Will. Um, I really thought that I was going to end up picking Frozen. And we started talking about Bugs Life. And God, that movie's so funny. Um, Pixar's, Pixar's really been like just knocking it out of the park as far as the brackets are concerned. But well, let's take that. Let's take that out. That shouldn't have anything to do. This, these need to be unbiased. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I honestly thought Pixar was going to clean this bracket, dude, because it's like, wow, what movies? But as soon as we got to Frozen, now I thought I was going to pick Frozen. I was going to try and give myself a fair shake, but I, I have to admit, Frozen is this titan of movies. It's really great. Um, my vote goes to Frozen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Will voted a Disney movie. I was so confused because you're like, I went into this thinking I was going to pick Pixar and the, or pick Frozen 
And then after we're doing it, I was good. Like, I totally thought you were going to do Bugs Life, but then you went It's called frozen. Suspense. I wanted to keep you guessing, Matt. All right. That was so like Matt, the most you wanted tense to go moment last, of the right? show. Yeah, I do. Okay. So I got to go with, oh, this one's, this one's tougher than I thought it would be. But I want to go with A Bug's Life. Wow. Yeah. Matt. I just Matt. feel like Bug's Life had a Bug's Life pushed the technology to the limit at a point when um when a lot of this stuff was still brand new and still being pioneered and still causing a lot of people to pull a lot of their hair out and um i'm sure it's still a case now okay nerd all right but that's what let's let's go with that matt oh the floor is yours oh god matt just did that on the podcast (laughs) <laughs> I hope you have a towel. <laughs> <laughs> For what is the real question? Uh, the floor is yours, Matt. And it's a little, it's a little dirty now. <laughs> this is the great movie showdown. <laughs> Pixar. It sounds, the fair, life it sounds like we're at NPR now. Frozen. This yes. is the great movie showdown. This is all movies considered. I feel like uh, like Sophie's Choice, where it's just the Nazis are taking away both of them, so you just got to well, say one. Well, line, you must decide. One child gets the bullet and it's gets flick off of the bracket. It's Princess Anna. Do it. Let's go, Fraulein. Are you doing the voice of the, of the person that had the little corner store in the middle of nowhere? I honestly just picked a random... Oh, yeah, I forgot I lo- about him. I love He's that funny. guy. I just picked up more. Maybe like the the next episode Frozen is in, we can talk about him more because I'm picking Frozen. Whoa! Oh, wow, good job, Matt. Oh, the Bugs Life is in shambles. It's a shame. It's like a Bugs Life ends here sad. on the Great Movie Showdown. Uh, what are we talking about next week, Matt? Oh, oh, it's so funny you ask. This is what I've been looking forward to. Ooh. Inside oh. Out versus Pocahontas. Oh, man. Matt's going to have his soapbox and his megaphone ready to go for Pocahontas. So, so for the people at home, we usually mm-hmm. don't want to tell you what we prefer, even though once we end the second round, you might have like a hint of it just because of how we speak about movies. But I'll make one exception just because of how Pocahontas isn't really viewed in a good light for obvious reasons. And it it's probably one of the, I would say it's definitely one of the worst Disney Renaissance movies critically. And it, it failed in what Disney was trying to do, how they, they made it. They wanted it to be basically, uh, they wanted to follow the beauty and the beast formula again. And they wanted another movie that could compete for a uh, big boy and big girl Oscars where with like the real movies not the animated movies and yeah. it kind of failed on it, but I'm like a huge fan of Pocahontas and I'll just straight up say that. And I'm going to try historic figure. I'm a, I'm a fan of the movie. I'm a fan of the 
the lady Pocahontas. I've never met her, but I've heard good things about her. Yeah. She went okay. to England and she seemed like she liked England a lot. And yeah, until <laughs> unfortunately she wasn't able to stay there that long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Please cut Jeez. this out, Zach. I don't want people attacking me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but Pocahontas, the movie, I, I really do like the movie, even though a lot of other people don't like it. I even have a Pocahontas mug. It's and it makes me happy. It like if there's like a way that you can like rate your day, like when you wake up, I feel like if you if you add it like one out of ten, I feel like whenever I grab the Pocahontas mug, it adds like an extra digit to whatever my day is. My my day is like when I'm going to work, it's usually like a three or a four. And when I grab the Pocahontas mug, automatically goes to a five. Or a four if it was out of three. Hmm. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm going to be a cheerleader for Pocahontas. And I'm not going to hide it. And this is probably going to be the only movie where I blatantly say I want this movie to win from the beginning. And I'll probably be talking about Pocahontas a lot. Because I watched it probably like seven times in the last year. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. All <laughs> right. Really so, can. um, any, any, uh, other stuff we want to say before we, uh, uh, close this out? No, I think we're, uh, we're ready to let this go. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us on today's episode of the, uh, the great movie showdown, the first Disney <laughs> win. We, uh, we probably want to mention that this is the first time Disney has won a round in the tournament so far. It's, it makes me, this yeah. is unprecedented. Yeah. It's a miracle. Yeah. This, this would you guys say it's a would you say it's a Disney miracle? No. Is that like a Thank term? It's yeah, well, Disney I makes guess. miracles at Disneyland. Come on, you guys. Yeah, what? True Love's Kiss. It was a Disney miracle or whatever. Yeah. Why? Or uh um or the bird coming out to eat hopper it's a disney miracle it does make me <laughs> sad that we're not going to be able to talk about all the other things oh what we should also talk about is how frozen is going to go up against wally oh whenever no. they go up against oh man oh. Don't do it. oh is frozen going to be the uh the mike tyson or the uh the floyd mayweather of this bracket and knock through all the pixars Oh man, I well, really hope not. Technically, Frozen wouldn't be meeting Toy Story Three, Monsters Incorporated, or Coco, or Ratatouille, whatever it happens, until like the final round, like maybe like the semifinals, hmm. right. and then we're gonna have, like, yeah, Frozen would have to go through. Hold on one second, Wally. And then if it beats Wally, it'd go in through the winner of Inside Out, Pocahontas, when they go up against Good Dinosaur versus Finding Dory when they play okay. Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. Huh. Well, there is one more thing we have to do before we close this episode off. <laughs> That's right. It's Google Trends time. So, uh... Oh, so we forgot to uh, do the Google Trends for the last episode. So let's do that real quick. Wally versus Atlantis. 
Wally is uh, 63 to 25. Yeah, Wally won that. I guess I, uh, I mean, that's not really a surprise. Let's be real. Okay, Frozen's so what win. is it? Frozen. We don't know that yet. Frozen. Musical by Jennifer Lee. What? Is that the... Uh... Jennifer Jason Lee? No, that was what came up. Frozen film. It's showing me Frozen 2, but not regular Frozen. Frozen and A Bug's Life. Oh, I can't wait. I guarantee you Frozen's going to take it by a mile. It's a titan, dude. It's just a tsunami of... I'm telling you. I think I'm not searching this right. What? There's no searches for A Bug's Life? That's impossible. Hang on. I'm going to refresh this. Because it's not... It's not coming up right i think there just aren't any searches because remember you guys were saying nobody really talks about a bug's life i don't think anybody's even searching for it either google trends but it's like the film's not even showing up on google trends which is unusual hey bugs life that's weird it's lower than a bug's life oh snap right Wait, okay, so it spiked in November. I guess that was when uh, Frozen 2 was coming out. And it's at 28 to A Bug's Life less than one. Wow. <laughs> wow. I thought for sure it was going to take it by like a huge landslide, but dang. What, that right. A Bug's Life would? No, that Frozen would just well, blow it away. It sort of did. 28 wow. to less than one. <laughs> yeah. Then wow. never mind. Oh wow, this is interesting. So uh there are some some interests by subregion. Uh a bug's life is not apparently being searched at all in Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming. Yeah, they don't they don't care about the freedom of ants, man. They don't give a crap about that. Huh. <laughs> or Maine yeah, Vermont. Maine, Maine don't Maine, care Vermont, either. and Alaska. It's too cold for them ants up there anyway, man. They're like Weird. whatever, man. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Anyway, uh, this has been uh, the Great Movie Showdown. Thank you so much for being a, for being a part of this very weird episode. And uh, I guess join us next time for totally the thing. Uh, tweet us at the Great Movie Showdown on Twitter. God, this was probably the worst episode ever. What? Worst episode ever. Actually, I think it was one of our most fun episodes. This has been a Nice Throw production. Nice throw, Matt.